Hey, this is Alex Hooven of Rally, the launchpad for creators to build their own digital currency and drive sustainable, independent economies. I'm here on Edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you to the edge of what creators are doing in the NFT space. Keep listening. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how Rally has created an easy button for creators to connect more meaningfully with their communities. How our guest today sees the value of loyalty as an especially important asset in the Web3 world. And how one ambitious NFT artist has attempted to create an NFT collection with one NFT for every person on the globe. All this and more on today's episode. Enjoy. And remember, NFTLA is coming March 28th to the 31st. It will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special, unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved, but they're also going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com and hop in the Discord via edgeofnft.com slash Discord to stay updated. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's guest is Alex Hooven, a seasoned entertainment executive and Web3 innovator and current director of strategic partnerships at Rally, a platform for creators and their communities to build their own independent digital economies. She works closely with creators, artists, athletes, and their management teams to design, launch, and implement token economy strategies powered by social tokens and NFTs. Alex served as head of content and creator partnerships at United Talent Agency for more than five years, where she built a team to lead all client work related to original content and creator-driven partnerships. She was a founding member of the Digital Assets Practice, where she advised clients on their NFT and larger blockchain strategy. In her spare time, Alex is active in several crypto projects, including Friends with Benefits, where she serves as a governance and operations lead for LA. She is based in Los Angeles. Alex, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat with you guys. It's a pleasure. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, great having you. Alex is a huge Lakers fan, I heard, just before the episode started. (laughs) We were chatting about it, so I wish. I wish. Big time. Not so much, but I am, and it's been a tough season. Nonetheless, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Rally and Alex and everything that's happening in the world right now in your world. So let's start with the story of how you and Rally came together. Like, What was that journey like and how did it come to be? Yeah. So prior to Rally, I really cut my teeth. That's what they say, right? At a United Talent Agency, which is where I spent the majority of my 20s for about six plus years working in our corporate consulting division where I was advising our brand and corporate clients on their sort of overall entertainment strategy. So at the talent agency, we obviously had a very unique purview into the entertainment and media landscape just by nature of where we sit. And the access to information and relationships is pretty unparalleled and can be quite advantageous to a brand that's essentially looking to leverage talent or properties as sort of a platform to amplify their larger marketing strategies. So for me, like to be totally honest, this is a safe space, right? 
on the record, but I never really cared all that much about brand marketing strategies. In fact, I was always kind of a little bit grossed out, frankly, seeing all these major brands just sort of exploit talent to sell a product. But that aside, I've always been a big consumer of the arts ever since I can remember. So growing up, film, music, fine art, it was always a passion of mine. It really just kind of gave me that energy and inspiration every day. So just from an ethos perspective, being able to find alternative revenue streams through these big corporations, whether it be Google or Lyft or L'Oreal or whatever, I could justify that feeling of uncomfortability with my brand clients because I knew that the money that I was able to deliver to them was hugely beneficial to these artists in terms of allowing them to be just sort of affording them the potential to go out and maybe do a project that they weren't able to do otherwise. And so eventually I would say I got a little bit burnt out by constantly having to deliver on brand guidelines and metrics and KPIs that ultimately, from my perspective with this kind of work, was just just completely distracting from the art itself, right? Which is the end goal. It's why we're all here. It's why you're hiring us. It's why you're hiring this talent. And so in short, I guess what really clicked for me was kind of the recognition that crypto was going to change the game for artists and that they'd no longer sort of need to rely on these middlemen corporations anymore for that paycheck. And that was super, super, super attractive to me. But I quite literally found my way to rally through our current CEO, Bremner Morris. So Bremner was formerly the head of go-to-market strategy at Patreon, which was a client of mine at UTA a few years back, where we were essentially helping them sort of with positioning themselves in front of talent and that his original team kind of dispersed and they went their own separate ways, but he came back around, I guess about like a year ago today, maybe a little, a year plus while I was still at UTA, I was like, Hey, I'm at this point, he was advising the rally project and he's like, Hey, Alex, I'm working on this project. That's kind of at the intersection of the creator economy and crypto, and we'd love to work with UTA again in a similar capacity to what we did at Patreon. And I was loosely familiar at the time with social tokens because of the work I was doing in our sort of de facto digital assets division at UTA that is now led by Leslie Silverman, who's a total boss, and you guys should get her on a future episode, but also because of my involvement with Friends with Benefits, which was a token community that was sort of formed by a guy named Trevor McFedries back in September 2020 in Discord. And that was kind of like my first foray into social tokens. So anyways, it was also just generally a pleasure to work with Bremner. He's an amazing guy. And so it was an obvious, yes, let's work together on this. And so cut two, three months after working with them on the UTA side of the hat, I realized I was spending all my time really consuming more and more information about the digital asset landscape and really found myself on a day-to-day basis, only interested in working with Rally and very much wanting to neglect my other clients. So one day I called up Bremner and I said, hey, what would it look like if I joined you full-time? And here we are. So I started full-time on the rally side in the first week of July after six years at UTA. Well told that story. Yeah. Nice and clear. Lots of the key elements. <laughs> For sure. There's, yeah. I mean, there's so much I can relate to, right? Like I was deep in the world of management consulting for about a decade. And Jeff just kept sort of poking at me. Hey, check out this entrepreneurial wild side over there and you can be more creative and you can make mm-hmm. a bigger impact. And finally, he lured me and the rest is history. So totally relate. Yeah, that's awesome. Again, like Bremner is just such a pleasure to work with and such a great leader and seer of the ship. It was kind of a no brainer, like just in terms of what Rally had built, plus great team, great leadership. It was like, let's go. That echoes quite a few stories we've heard in the crypto space and NFT space, especially of people just kind of 
in a very good way, just getting sucked into it because it's so engaging and it so much appeals to kind of what feels natural and where they are their best self. So very cool to hear that again. I want to bring our listeners up to speed. Of course, we've been talking about Rally for months. We were going to have you on the show months ago, just kind of like bringing everything together. But how does Rally allow you guys to build a branded cryptocurrency for independent artists without any technical knowledge? How does that work? How does that come together? Yeah. Well, I'll say this is something that I heard from our founder, Kevin Chu, while I was at UTA and he was on a call with me, but just to very like, just to quote him very succinctly, he said, rally is quite literally, it just allows you to create an out of the box economy through the primitives that we've set up and designed. I would say the creator onboarding process is very, very, very similar to just creating a social profile like you would on Twitter or Instagram or wherever, just in terms of the tech lift needed. There's really not much there. It's really as simple as just going to rally.io, submitting an application. If you are approved, you create an account, fill in those details of who you are, what the mission is, what the goals and sort of the ethos is for your using new token economy, passing a KYC check, and you're kind of off to the races in terms of like actually fundamentally getting it set up. That said, there is a lot of work, as we all know, to making a token economy a huge success. It's not just as easy as like clicking a button and then letting everybody come through. There definitely needs to be a really solid strategy in place. And that's kind of what myself and my team work on in terms of like making sure all these creators are set up in terms of the tooling and different sort of things and resources that Rally can come to the table with in terms of making sure you are set up for success. But just from like a very like literal perspective, it is super easy to get started on Rally. You know, I would say most of the work that was previously required and what you would probably see on Ethereum mainnet social token platforms like Coinvise or Roll, you're designing typically the tokenomics or you're building your own liquidity, which is very, very, very challenging to actually minting the tokens. All of that work is actually already handled by Rally. So you basically just need to be the one that has the community of people, bring it to the platform, and then offer token holder benefits that your community is really going to want and to see from you. But it's basically as easy as that. Yeah, that's great. I remember when you guys were sort of at the beginning of your public launch with CoinList checking out, and it was like, oh, of course, this is a no-brainer. This is a major, major step in, in the direction this industry needs for mainstream adoption. Yeah. On that note, like, let's go a little bit deeper in terms of what distinguishes you from other platforms. Some folks might be familiar with BitClout, for example, and some of the other ones out there. And also, let's dive deeper into the NFT side of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that distinguish Rally from other platforms. I mean, one being that we are on a side chain, and that's kind of afforded us the ability to build in sort of all the frictionless primitives that make it so easy for not an average person that doesn't necessarily have a crypto native audience along with them into their first experience into crypto. But I would say kind of at its core, what is so interesting about Rally is that it is a social token platform plus NFTs. So there is the non-fungible assets, like the digital goods and services that you are going to be providing to your fans, plus the actual fungible currency that they can purchase those assets with. So we believe that those two paired together is what makes a successful token economy. And so that's what we're really focused on. So the most committed and vibrant NFT-based communities will seek additional structures that cannot solely operate on a barter system alone, right? They are looking for fungibility and liquidity. I think fans can 
enter a token-based community without having to purchase expensive NFTs, but rather earn their way in through participation, right? Community leaders want to be able to reward their community members for the support that they are doing, whether that's taking an action like something as simple as retweeting a tweet, go to Spotify and pre-save this single. You can earn tokens through that. So it's not necessarily just about finding sort of purchase and transaction mechanisms, but a way to reward the fans for the work that they've been doing in in terms of their support of you all along the way. And I think that's what's so exciting about social tokens is that it gives sort of your fans the ability to capture the value of the support that they are giving you. And that's kind of the amazing thing. I think fans can really participate in the upside of their token-based communities by holding an asset that has shared value across the entire community rather than just a singular asset that has an unfungible value. And that's also why communities are going to migrate and assemble around tokens that are native to the community rather than just relying on a ubiquitous token like Ethereum or Solana or Matic on Polygon as the medium of exchange. I think to that note, because Rally is on a side chain, we do not have any gas fees. It is eco-friendly, meaning like Every transaction that's happening on the side chain is probably the same amount of energy consumption as clicking send on a tweet. So we're not minting or transacting on the Ethereum mainnet, which allows us to do that. And that's because we follow a different protocol called proof of authority, which is slightly different than proof of work or proof of stake. I would say it is a protocol that in some sense may relinquish a little bit of that true decentralization, but we are open to doing that so that we can create sort of this insular environment for people, especially creators that do have reputation on the line and are not necessarily hesitant to bring fans into the crypto landscape, which is often known as polarizing. It can be quite volatile. They know that they can do it safely because they're not going to encounter gas fees every time they try to make a transaction. There is a fiat on-ramp in terms of being able to use your credit card to purchase the crypto, not having to move money around from crypto wallets to Coinbase and whatever. And so that's really important to a lot of these bigger artists, right? Like they have a reputation on the line. They want to make sure their fans feel safe and are excited about it. And so building on the side chain is what allowed us to kind of create that. So yeah, I think that's kind of like the key difference between minting a social token on Ethereum or Polygon or Solana. It's really sort of, we've designed this sort of out of the box economy that allows you to coordinate your fans around a digital asset and have them sort of capture the value of the support and sort of work that they're putting into it without sort of having them go through hoops and sort of come up against roadblocks that we as people that are probably a little bit more Web3 native are used to experiencing. So I think that's kind of it. I appreciate the elegance of sort of interweaving the token side and the NFT side the way you have, because I think they both have their pros and cons and different uses within the Web3 environment. And you guys have sort of thought about all those different dimensions and considerations. Right. Yeah, most definitely. And also you're creating an easy button for creators to connect with their fans and followers in a direct way and create value in both directions, right? But that easy button is so hard to actually accomplish so many companies struggle with that. And it's amazing what you guys are doing there. And you're putting it into practice, right? There's actually creators out there launching these tokens and actually doing this. They're doing it right now. There's a few Mm -hmm. that I had noted here, Duncan Robinson, Roberto Carlos, Brandon Powell. Could you tell us a little bit about like these recent launches and anything that stands out to you about each of them? 
Yeah. I think just generally speaking, it's been like a really, really big month for athletes on rally. We've launched so many and we have so many more coming down the pike, but I would say I'm most excited about Duncan Robinson. He is such an awesome guy and really has thought about what his community means to him in a very, very thoughtful way. So he's obviously known for being a point guard on the Miami Heat. He's awesome. It's fun to watch. But he also has a podcast called The Long Shot, which has a very, very, very robust community and listenership. And he really wanted to use the token to really hone in on that community and be able to give value back to the fans that have been supporting him in that endeavor. And so he launched the token, which is basically in the short term has unlocked a private discord channel and access to merchandise. And then he'll also be dropping bonus episodes that are just for the token holders, access to NFT drops, which will basically serve as tickets to live events and live podcast episodes. And then also making sure he's using those channels in that community to weigh in on upcoming guests and sort of helping his community act as, as creative directors of his podcast. So that's been really cool. I've really enjoyed working with his team on that. And I love the way he's thinking about it as community first and not just sort of this financial instrument that he's dropping into his fans. It's really a social tool that he's using to connect them and be able to give back to those fans that have been helping him make that podcast a success. And then Roberto Carlos also launched, as you mentioned, he's doing exclusive merch giveaways, NFT drops, same with Brandon. I think for him, he's released a lot of behind the scenes or will be releasing a lot of behind the scenes Super Bowl footage and is planning to use the token as sort of this gated ticketed access to football boot camps that he's going to be putting on. So there's lots of stuff that they're doing that's really, really cool. But yeah, it's been really interesting to see all these athletes coming to the table in really thoughtful ways, right? Like they're really taking a smart approach in terms of thinking about how they can turn their fans into an actual community or tribe that kind of represents something bigger. And that's been really cool to see with these guys. I just have to say, like when we're trying to explain like NFTs to folks that are not familiar with it, I always try to go to somebody's passion right? Like, what is it that you are passionate about? Who, right. the brand, the thing, like, tell me about that first. And let's start there. Because if you start there, then drawing the line between where they are today in real life or web one, web two world, and what web three offers is so much easier, right? It's hard mm-hmm. if I'm describing like something I'm passionate about, but they're not. But if somebody's like super into motorcycles or something, and I can really dial them in on what the value of having like an NFT of like this particular Harley Davidson motorcycle is all the ins and outs, the upgrades on it and the access to the designer of, and all these cool things. If they're really in love with it, they get it right away. But if you're trying to describe it from a different perspective, it just usually never, never sticks. Right. So I could see that. I could see for all these guys, such a passionate following across all these figures. So very cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because the way I think about it is you can have millions of fans, right? But that doesn't necessarily equate to a community that's driven by the same values, right? So I would say for a lot of these athletes, they're not expecting, nor should they expect that they're going to get even 50% of that fan base to convert into this economy. And that's okay, because all you really need is to be able to convert a small percentage of people that are like-minded and are going to show up and be a part of this community and want to contribute in order to make it a success. And I think there has to be sort of, to your point, like this unifying thing that everyone's there for, right? It's not necessarily 
for Duncan, for example, the Miami Heat, right? It's because of this podcast that everybody feels super invested in, is super excited about, and sort of that creative side of Duncan that this community is sort of rallying around. So I think that's what's really interesting. And you kind of touched on that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was when we had Steve Aoki on, we probably mentioned this before, when it comes down to like music or any kind of art where there's a fan base, right? Nothing matters without the community. (laughs) They sort of consume it and support it and be supported by it. I love the fact that these tokens and these communities, be it NFTs or social tokens or both, just allow like a real framework around that and a real way to reward the key players in the system, which we haven't really had before. Yeah, exactly. You know, on that note, I know very early on when we had the podcast and I would do research in NFTs, I kept coming across this band called Portugal The Man. And it wasn't a band that was on my radar actually for whatever reason. But as I began to research them, I was really incredible to see like that they were so appropriate for the social token. And I would go to rally. I don't know where they're at right now, but they'd be the top token. And the story behind them being that they aren't necessarily crypto or NFT native as a band, but they had the fans that kind of were and helped them on board and brought them to the table. And it all came together, right? Like as a community effort, there's this pre-save campaign that Portugal, that's evolved Portugal to get man. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with them? Yeah, totally. So that was really interesting and kind of goes back to my point of like just using the social token as not just something for your fans to buy into, but sort of a capture, a store of value, a capture of value for the support that these fans are providing these musicians. And so Portugal the Man were really thoughtful about that and sort of their upcoming single. They wanted to reward fans that were sort of taking this action to not just promote the single, but I guess promote the single and be sort of on standby and have it pre-saved through their Spotify account. So basically what happened is the pre-save was done through Warner. And when fans authenticated their Spotify account, an email was triggered to that address that allowed those people to then either create a Wally wallet if they didn't have it already, or just click a link to claim tokens. So every single person that pre-saved that Spotify link was airdropped a certain amount of tokens, which was really cool because one, it was just giving back to the fans that were already supporters and holders of PTM. They got a little bonus, but there was also a nice way to introduce people that were not familiar with what Portugal the Man was doing in the crypto space in a very sort of web two way that was easy for them to understand. And I think it's really significant because it shows sort of this multi-directional nature that creators and fans are headed towards. Yeah, it's along the lines of what Gary Vee did with his book drop, which right. I can see in Jeff's background there. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, kind of bringing people into the space who are either already in crypto or maybe just on the edge of it and say, hey, you know, it's really actually really interesting to sort of do this analog, traditional not exactly analog, but seemingly analog, Mm -hmm. web two kind of act, take these sort of web two based actions that will bring you into web three. Great concept. I would say like there are obviously a lot of holders of PTM and they're really big fans, but I think the point for Portugal, the man was that they didn't want to alienate the fans that were also taking actions, just not necessarily through their currency. And so this really gave them the opportunity to capture those people that are still sort of, as we say, like wearing the band t-shirt but weren't necessarily able to, maybe they couldn't afford to buy in or they maybe they just didn't know about it. It was a way to get them sort of brought into the community as well and reward them for something that they were doing sort of in a web two space. Very cool. So you guys have accomplished a lot, right? Even just since you've joined the company, I'm sort of curious where you feel like Rally is at in its growth journey and what's next? Yeah, I mean, Rally is at, 
I think a super exciting stage right now. I think we've finally sort of figured out where we fit in terms of the creator economy meets crypto landscape. Quite literally, we are in an exciting growth stage. Our collective economy holdings across all of the tokens on the platform is nearly 100 million at 95 million. Of the roughly 300 creators, over 50%, more than half, have a collective economy holdings of over 100K, which is super, super cool. And 23, which is nearly like 10%, have over 1 million. So the growth has been super, super inspiring. And it only feels like it's getting bigger and more exciting and more mainstream creators are coming to the platform, which will obviously increase those numbers by tenfold X. But in terms of what's next, we're really hyper-focused on launching and growing more successful token-based communities. We are also working on some multi-chain capabilities, which I think will be an absolute game changer for us in the space. So look out for that. So that all sounds really exciting. Thanks for sharing where things are going next. Can you elaborate at all on where things are going from an interoperability and cross-chain perspective? Yeah, I mean, I can't get super, super specific there, but I will say Superlayer Labs, which is part of the Rally Association, which is actually what Kevin Chu, our founder, has sort of leading and focused on full-time, is working with Solana. So if that's any indication, (laughs) the Rally Association does have a strong relationship with Solana. Very cool. That's amazing. Other collaborations that we should keep an eye out for? Partnerships or anything fun coming up other than we already talked about? Coming up, we are going to be launching some really incredible creators very, very soon. One, a very, very exciting Pulitzer Prize winning photojournalist I'm personally very excited about. In terms of partnerships, we just launched a partnership with Friends with Benefits, which is the other project I work on. It started off with a hackathon last week which was super exciting. The focus was on creator economy tools and the top three, two of them actually built for the Rally platform, which is amazing and super exciting. But there will be more extensions coming out of that partnership from a content perspective, editorial, and some strategic work as well. So good relationship between Rally and Friends with Benefits. So definitely a lot more to come there. But yeah, I would say just keep a close eye out on Rally.io. We have so many exciting creators in the pipeline and Every day is super exciting to build closer towards those launch fruition. So yeah. It must be really fun to pull those two projects together that you've kind of worked on independently. Besides what we already discussed today, what other NFT projects uh, would you say inspire you? I am actually super, super excited about, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Scab Shop, which launched last week, which is Scott Campbell's NFT tattoo platform that he's created with other big tattoo artists like Dr. Wu. They released about 5,000 what they call shop passes, which are utility NFTs, which will basically serve as single tattoo appointments with the artists, whether that's with Scott or Dr. Wu or other ones, and basically unlock access to a community of of other enthusiasts where you can bid on artwork and get access to pop-up events. Like they're doing a big launch event at South by Southwest where Scott will be tattooing, which is really amazing. So if you're going to be down there, you should check that out. I just think it's a super, super interesting way to extend the reach of some of these artists' work just outside of sort of the one-of-one pieces that is quite literally on somebody's skin. And I think the ability to be able to trade those on the secondary market is really, really interesting and an incredible revenue stream for these artists. So I'm really excited to see kind of how that changes the game for these sort of non-traditional artists that work in, in different mediums. 
That's really awesome. Yeah, actually, yeah. ideas like that. Tattoo artistry has always been that conversation that the artist would have. So I put my artist on someone's body and they walk around with it, mm -hmm. which has its own benefits, right? But then right. it has its own limitations. And actually, Nicole Buffett, and we were just on a meeting yesterday with this artist residency that we've done, Jurassic Artist Residency, which is a really mm -hmm. cool residency in the Santa Cruz Mountains. But we're kind of working on onboarding into kind of bringing their artists that come through there into crypto and NFT. And it was an interesting conversation to kind of say, like, can a woodworker do something with NFTs? I think the mm -hmm. sort of the root answer for someone who's not familiar is like, no, let's focus on people who make digital art. But I mm -hmm. think what's really cool about what we learn every day on this show is, yeah, you can do stuff with tattoos and woodworking and all sorts of like ephemeral art, all kinds of things like this, all of a sudden have all these new parameters that you can introduce if you bring NFTs in the equation. So yeah, I love that project too. That sounds really Absolutely. cool. The world is changing so fast and rally is a big part of it. So thanks for giving us the deets there, Alex. Really appreciate yeah. it. We interrupt the Edge of NFT podcast to reveal one of the best kept secrets in the NFT space right now, the Koi Network. If you are a creator or a builder or an investor in groundbreaking projects, you need to dive into Koi ASAP. Why? Imagine a new internet where each time your posts get viewed on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter, you earn rewards. Koi's revolutionary decentralized infrastructure scales this new internet to the whole globe, transforming attention into an asset and every creator into an earner, all without the expensive high-energy usage of old-school blockchains. Here is the best way to learn more and earn more by becoming a founding member of the growing Koi community. Go to edgeofnft.com slash koi. That's edgeofnft.com slash K-O-I-I, two I's. There you can publish your first koi NFTs for free and start earning koi today. The new internet is coming. Don't you want to be valued on it? We want to shift gears a little bit and head into segment two, if you're down for it. Section down. We Still call it edge quick hitters, right? So it's 10 questions looking for short, single word or few word responses, but we can dive in a little deeper here or there if we get the urge. So okay. let's do it. Okay. Question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? This is so indicative of me working in crypto, but the first thing that I ever purchased was the first Beanie Baby, Liberty. So white beanie baby with an American flag. And I remember I bought it and it was just like the coolest thing in the world to me at the time. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Like literally like the first release that they ever did. Mm -hmm. Whoa, that's cool. For a very first beanie baby. Nice one. Nice. Yeah. Question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? <laughs> Again, very indicative. My Charizard Pokemon card to my neighbor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. You got a good collection hanging back there somewhere still? I so wish that I did because I had an amazing collection. I don't even know what happened to it. I was recently on Instagram the other day and my friend was just did a story of her finding her Pokemon binder and flipping through it. And it truly took her like five minutes to flip through the whole thing. And it was just like the most legendary thing I've ever seen. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Question number three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Oh my gosh. I don't know if this is embarrassing. Okay. The most recent thing I purchased was a backpack for my dog so she can go on hikes with me. 
<laughs> I don't think we've come anywhere close to that response. But I get yeah. it. As a guy in LA, like yeah. seeing what happens around here, that is like not surprising at all. And for the rest of America, they're like, what is going on in LA? I yeah. know. It's mostly because like I love to go on these long, long hikes and she does not have the endurance to go for the whole thing. So it's like once we hit a couple of miles, we can just pop her in. We can keep going. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I see. And now I'm getting clarity here. I thought it was like mm-hmm. a backpack that you put on the dog. Oh, no, it, no. This no. is like, she's it's coming like... for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold? I think it was one of my scammer NFTs. Yeah. I know I hate to like say it's an NFT, but I think it was. Yeah, for most of us, it is, right? Right yeah. on. Okay. Question Sorry, scammer community. <laughs> yeah, right. And we know that the answer isn't for this one, but number five is what is your most prized possession? Hmm. Interesting. I think my most prized possession is this sketch. My great aunt, who's one of my biggest inspirations, was the former creative director at Life Magazine. And she actually was the one who designed the HBO logos, the call letters. And so she had the original sketch that she did hanging up in her studio that I now have. And I think that to me is so cool and serves as a source of inspiration. So I think that's probably it. Very cool. Question number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? Oh man. What you got your eye on? There's so many things. I'm a maximalist. (laughs) (laughs) I love things, but I would say... I have never been to Japan and I just love Japanese culture so much. And I would just love to go on like a month long trip through all of Japan and be able to stay in all these sort of amazing places. I had one trip planned pre-COVID and I had to cancel it and I haven't rebooked it. And so I think that's actually, I still think about it. So I think that's what it is. Yeah, right on. That would be exciting. Good one on the bucket list for sure for me as well. Very cool. Question number seven, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Ooh, I think probably loyalty. Everybody in this industry hopefully is in it for wag me, right? We're all going to make it. So I think loyalty is super, super important. That's a great one. That's for sure. Flip side though, question number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Oh man, I'm a little impatient. I think patience is really essential, especially in this crazy, crazy world that we live in. I think sometimes I really need to just slow down and kind of live in the moment, which I have a hard time with. So impatience. Impatience it is. (laughs) Yeah. Question number nine, a little bit easier. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I actually took my dog for a walk to go get the New York Times paper because they wrote an opinion piece about friends with benefits that I was in, but it wasn't in print. It was supposed to be in print today, but I guess it's tomorrow. So failed mission, but we went for a walk to the grocery store. There you go. Nice. And last one, question 10, what are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to make an iced coffee and then I am going to get back into my work. I've got a lot of emails to catch up on. So that is what I'm going to do. But in terms of fun stuff, I am going to go see a friend that's visiting from New York for a drink after work. So that's what I'll do. All right. Rock and roll. Sounds like fun yeah. for sure. Well, that's and, it. That's it. You know where you're hitters. going to get a drink? Oh. What's the cool place to go? 
I do know where I'm going. I don't know how cool it is. She's staying at this hotel called Sunset Tower, which is very bougie CNBC. <laughs> it's not really my scene, but she's staying there and it's easy. Okay. So it's going to be martinis at the bar with Jennifer Aniston. Beautiful. There you okay. go. Got it. Nice. She's nice. got a table there. There it is. That's Edge Co-Caters. Uh, appreciate you playing with us there. Lots of fun. Of Thank you so much. With almost $25 billion in sales in 2021, there's no denying the NFT market is on fire. But what many investors don't realize is demand has skyrocketed for another asset, thanks in part to this NFT boom. The asset I'm talking about is multi-million dollar blue chip art. And it's been so hot, a Banksy offering on the Masterworks platform recently sold for $7.4 million. And what's even more incredible is, all shares of this Banksy offering sold out in just three hours. According to Masterworks, similar works by Banksy saw a price appreciation of 19.9% from 2007 to 2020, outpacing the S&P 500 by nearly a factor of two over the same time period. And Masterworks investors recently saw a 32% annualized appreciation net of fees from the sale of another Banksy painting called Mona Lisa. To discover how to buy into similar offerings by Banksy, Picasso, and Monet for a fraction of the cost of the entire painting, visit edgeofnft.com masterworks. That's edgeofnft.com masterworks. For important disclosures, visit masterworks.io disclaimer. Herb, we got some hot topics to dive in on. Ethan, what do you say? Yeah, we do have some hot topics, some interesting ones today, some kind of quirky, interesting ones. So first one, a Dutch artist creates an NFT for every person in the world as an experiment, mm. a social experiment conducted by Dutch artist Dadara and NFT digital rights management platform RareTech provide immutable blockchain identity has resulted in the creation of just about 7.9 billion digitally identical NFTs of Crypto Gray Man. The physical NFTs look all the same. Each carries its own serial number a commentary on the way in which people are viewed in the centralized corporate world, generalized to numbers, in a sea of NFTs that artificially create scarcity by imposing rare traits and offering limited collections and exclusive communities, the identical crypto Grayman NFTs are available for purchase for one Matic, currently around $2 USD, seek to be the opposite. Well, an interesting statement for sure. Can we get everybody on the world to buy one? That would be interesting. What if I buy like 10? So then I kind of like own the NFT for like 10 people on the planet or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wonder how do they get around that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, man. I just, just conceptually, right? Like, okay, we created an NFT for everybody in the world. I didn't realize, we're, are we at 7.9 billion already? That's crazy. I was still speaking in terms of 7 billion, but I guess we're at eight. That's interesting. Yeah, on so many levels. And also like the statement around making them all more the same than different, right? We're saying, I think there's a statement in there trying to make the serial number is really the only difference, right? Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I wonder where they're going to go with it. I don't know. You could take it a bunch of different directions. Any thoughts, Josh, on your end, man? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that it's fun and I think it's an experiment. So we have to see what happens next. Yeah, that's just a reminder how early we are and like all this stuff. And we got to get in there and kick up some dust, mix things up and see what comes of it. I don't know. I think some cool things might come from this. There's some really interesting things that underpin the whole idea. So totally. yeah, it's definitely interesting conceptually, but there might not be a lot to say about it. 
<laughs> All right. I'm going to kick in the next uh, topic. It's an unusual factor because I have a new computer. I'm just going to jump over to grab my charger while I let you talk amongst yourselves. But it's Kickstarter meets Netflix on the blockchain. An NFT artist, which we've had some contact with, People Pleaser, has a new project called Shibuya. It brings long form animation to Web3. The pilot episode for Shibuya's inaugural White Rabbit series drops on Wednesday. They will crowdfund production of long-form visual content, such as short films, movies, or television series by selling NFTs called producer passes, disrupting the traditional studio-driven methods that now dominate the industry. All right, this is what I have to say. I love People Pleaser, and I think this is great, but I think it's an interesting topic of conversation that we may just finally be past the point where anybody can say they're the first to do kind of like these crowdsourced film productions. And I've noticed it starts to include a qualifier word like, oh, we're doing the first crowdsourced film production that happened in February around the 15th to the 16th, 2022, right? So I love that this space is growing and love seeing what the individual people are doing as far as takes on it, but it's been growing for a little bit. There's, there's some foundation here, I have to say. Yeah, this is really cool. Just the concept of Shibuya is cool. Having been to Japan and loving that environment of creativity and sort of really the heart of anime culture. And I just love that she's constantly pushing the envelope with her projects and where she's going and how she's being in the space. So I hope this comes up in conversation at NFTLA in, in less than a month. I know, Alexandra, you're going to be there speaking as well. I'm so excited to have you in the mix there. And I think this is a great example of pushing the limits of creativity. I'm sure someone on her press team threw in the word first, just because it's a cool word to have in a press release and to get into an article. But beyond sort of the aesthetics there, I think it's a great project. Yeah, I agree. I mean, people have been doing this. I mean, we all know I'm dying to go to Shibuya. So I do think this is a really, really interesting project. And I'd be interested to see how she takes it from just one actual piece of IP into maybe a full slate that could be coordinated by the DAO. Yeah, and it feels like, I mean, serious potential opportunity to collaborate with Rally, right? I mean, there's a lot of goodness there in what you guys have built and what you're doing that could help take this thing to the next level. Curious to see how this thing evolves. So very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Next on the docket. Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. Another cool one. CryptoPunk NFT is latest donation to Ukraine's $33 million campaign. Number 5364 was transferred to Ukraine's Ethereum wallet on Tuesday, loving that Ukraine has an Ethereum wallet, adding a potentially lucrative and sought after cap to a campaign that's already amassed over $33 million in cryptocurrencies. Estimates of the punk's value vary. Tom Robinson of crypto tracing firm Elliptic notched it around 200 k when he flagged the donation late Tuesday and Deep NFT Value, a blog that uses machine learning to estimate prices for rare NFTs, placed it at around 233000 So yeah, we're having some very interesting developments and capabilities and capacities within crypto and the ability of people to kind of share and support one another across the globe. And this is yet another cool demonstration of that. It's definitely an interesting demonstration. I think it also sort of points at the challenge of NFTs, which is the lack of liquidity, right? I think it's a great thing to give someone as a long-term store of value. And certainly this is a special donation and makes a statement. My concern is Ukraine able to, are they supposed to sell it? And do they have the knowledge on how to sell it and at what value to sell it? 
or are they supposed to hold it for a rainy day later on when they really need the money? I think it could actually be auctioned off at a, a higher than normal market value for folks that they want to support that economy. It does beg an interesting question about what do you do with this crypto punk? Mm-hmm. I'm also reflecting on, are there NFTs that are appropriate or inappropriate for donating to various charitable campaigns, right? Would a bored ape have the same sort of symbolism as a crypto punk or a crypto kitty or friends with benefits, right? Or whatever. Like, does it matter what the NFT is? Is the value, is there something about the ethos of the community that has to align with the objectives of the organization? And I think that's been a question that organizations have had since the very beginning of all this, as they've like navigated this new world. Is it okay for them if they don't understand what they're getting to accept donations and things like that? Yeah. I don't know. I think highest level, it's about community and being active members of a community and giving a shit and giving back and actually putting your assets where your mouth is. It's not your money anymore, right? It's really so many different ways to share value and to contribute to the things you care about. And I think it happens to be a crypto punk in this case. It sounds like there's a ton of other crypto that came their way. And I think it's a very interesting signal of the world that we're in now and where things are going. I do think that it seems like they're raising funds for the Ukraine right now, especially with what we're seeing with the Ukraine DAO, which has been incredible. To me, it seems like the fungible currency is what's going to have the most impact here now and not NFTs, right? Like, I'm not sure that holding a crypto punk in their wallet and hoping that it appreciates over the next however long is going to have the same immediate impact that perhaps selling a crypto punk and donating the proceeds would have. So I just think it's an interesting move to your point. The one on-brand thing I think across the board here is sort of decentralization and the power Mm -hmm. that people see in that. Just listening to some This American Life episode is kind of going over historical things that have gone on in Russia and how the media have been manipulated and the centralization of power really in effect and having the sort of decentralized movement be a part of contributing to this particular issue has that appropriateness. And it feels like a step forward that this kind of thing can happen. That's for sure. Is that a wrap on hot topics? Well, I think it's on topic and on brand too. We might as well let the cat out of the bag with our Living Tree NFT project will be released uh, very soon here. We've decided for every 25% of the Living Tree collection that's going to be minted, we're going to be donating $10,000 to displaced victims of the Ukraine crisis. So we're very proud to have made that decision and look forward to bringing on community members who want to take part in doing that type of good in the world with us, along with us, in addition to planting trees and doing great things for the environment. I think it's a good point to move on to fan listener shout out. Sound good, Jeff? Let's do it. Yeah. What do you got over there? Awesome. So let's talk about Vicky. I think it's appropriate to give her a shout out here at this point in the history of sort of the discord in our community. And this is within the discord. This is at Vicky, V-I-K-I-I. She's been one of our most enthusiastic participants over the last several months, just commenting on the podcast, eating up everything we have to say. She's been a big fan and a player in Second Life for many years and sort of participated in that digital economy and sort of very excited to bring on board her knowledge of digital economy and metaverse, but integrated into NFT where that hasn't been as direct inside the Second Life universe. So she's not only been super active in the community, but she's kind of jumping on board 
to really step up and be a bit of a community manager in the project, especially as we launch our Living Tree NFT project. So shout out to Vicky. Thanks for all your help and support. She hosted her first trivia night on Tuesday and she did a great job. So we appreciate her helping out. Shout out to Vicky. Oh, Vicky. There it is. Well, great. So guys, I think that's basically a wrap on the episode. But before we let you go, Alex, could you tell our listeners where they should go to follow you and Rally and all the fun stuff you're working on? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow Rally on all our social channels, rally.io, rally underscore io on Twitter, rally creators on Instagram. You can join our Discord, which is the link at the bottom of our website. It's a very, very vibrant community in there. Lots and lots of lively discussion happening. And you can follow me if you'd like at AE Hooven on Twitter. Beautiful. Thank you so much. All right, guys, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops. Spirit Seeds leading to Living Tree NFTs, which will light the way to our event, NFTLA, a one-of-a-kind, immersive, and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to the 31st. Check it out at nftla.live and move quick on early bird tickets as they are now live and moving quickly. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.